this morning. God bless you today. It's the last, the last Sunday of 2018. How many of you are like, I am so glad that 2018 is going in my rearview mirror. <laughs> How many of you are like, I'm excited for next year though. Good. I want to share a simple message um, this morning called Two is Greater Than One. I was doing homework some time ago with my daughter and it was one of these things where you have the equations and she's like trying to figure out the is greater than symbol. And so I'm going to go right to scripture. I'm reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses, or sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12. Now before I go into this, I want to say some things about Ecclesiastes. One, um, it's Solomon's perspective basically after he's gone a little bit crazy. And so if you read through Ecclesiastes, there's parts where you're going to be like, yeah, but this sounds just like a crazy person. Well, it basically is the perspective of someone who has almost lost his, his faith in the sense of God intervening. He's like, there's nothing new under the sun. This is the way it is, the way it has been, the way it's always going to be. Um, but there is still truth nuggets in this book. So follow along with me on the screen. Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out to help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep warm. All the single people said, not yet. Um, <laughs> but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And then he says, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now notice what Solomon says there. First of all, he says they can help each other to succeed. I don't know about you, but I, from, time, from time to time, I run into Christians who believe that success is a bad thing. It's like, well, I became a Christian and now, you know, it's just going to be whatever will be, will be. No, he says two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. And then he goes in and he says, I think this is true that one of the really sad things about our society and our culture is the whole concept of loneliness. I think that if we were to do a poll in a room this size, that it would be a substantial number of us who, if we were really honest, we would say that at the root of some of our like pain is that we are just a little bit lonely. And I suppose it's human nature and the way that society works in that we now work, we, you know, a lot of times you work out of the home, you work with people who are, you're not related to, you spend the majority of time with your coworkers, and then you come home and you're, you come home to a family and everyone's exhausted and kind of cranky at each other. And maybe you get involved on social media or, or whatever, but that's like, you can have Facebook friends, but how many of you know that those aren't, just because somebody likes your stuff, it doesn't mean they actually, you know, are going to be, you know, that depth of friendship. Um, so two are better than one. Scripture says that one may put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Um, so when God calls us into his body, he doesn't call us into isolation, me and Jesus. 
When I first became a Christian, I thought that's what it was like, okay, because we use words like, I have a personal relationship with Christ, and that's all good. And we talk about that He's our personal Savior, and He is, but He is also all of our Savior. You have to remember that when you come to faith in Christ, you come, you become a part of a family, the family of God, and you are surrounded by brothers and sisters. And, and in, in a church as big as ours, I'm the community pastor, so I'm going to push this. Um, you, it's easy to check in and out. And I know I say this all the time. But you, you need to get in groups. You need to get in circles. You need to make friends with people in the church. You need people that are going to pray for you, who are going to encourage you. Um, I want to show this clip um, of... of uh, from I think it's Animal Planet or something like that. Can we throw it up there? Talk about and can you just leave my mic on because I want to make some comments during it. Is that possible to do? As they mature, young males begin to explore the boundaries of the pride's territory. Red has ventured out alone. this, like the king of the jungle, right? So called, the lions are called. But even as powerful of an animal as a lion, when they're isolated, they can find themselves in trouble. Straight into the middle of the hyena clam. over 20 of them. It's going to get super intense right away. Just right on the pack tries to wear him down. This number of hyenas could kill him. to fight them all at once. He can't keep them at bay for much longer. He's tiring fast. ally, Tartu, has heard the commotion. Now, Look at this, as soon as they see the other one coming, boom. Come on. 
for 20 hyenas. A pair of male lions is too much to take on. Red is lucky. Isn't that a powerful reminder how important it is to have someone who's got your back? No matter how strong, and sometimes I think we think, okay, I will grow so spiritually strong. I'm going to read so much Bible. I'm going to pray so hard that the enemy, you know, I'm not going to have to worry about the powers of darkness or being attacked or being discouraged. And the truth of the matter is that we can have all of this spiritual stuff together. But if we don't have some of the practical things in line, we still just leave ourselves um, open. <laughs> so over, over uh, the Christmas break, I found this encouraging video. And I might have sent it to some of you. I sent it to 250 people. And it was basically this guy telling you, you're awesome. Yes, you are awesome. <laughs> and most people were like, I don't know what that kind of weird spam was, but you're crazy. <laughs> Out of the 250 people that I sent it to, over 30 people replied to me. Now, I sent it to people I had seen that day. I sent it to people I hadn't seen since college. I sent it to people who were from high school. I sent it to people I didn't even really know. You know like I, just, I sent it to a whole bunch of people as a thought experiment, and over 30 of those people responded to me and said, you have no idea. I needed to just, I needed that today for whatever reason. That goes to show me that there are so many of us who who just would need like somebody to come along and build and encourage. Now, when we talk about friendship and relationships, I believe that there's categories. Now, if you think of Jesus, Jesus had at times followers of 3,000 people that were following him. Jesus also had, though, the 70 who he sent out two by two. And then Jesus had the 12 who were his apostles and then even in an even smaller group than that, Jesus had Matthew, no, he had, what did he have? <laughs> Peter, James, and John. <laughs> Peter, James, and John. So for example, on the Mount of, so Jesus didn't share all of his life with everyone. And I think sometimes we can run into <laughs> Where it's like, I'll tell you, I'll just if you're a young person, I'm gonna, here's a secret. You don't have to tell everyone everything about your life. Um, so there were parts that Jesus only shared with Peter, James, and John. When he went on the mountain of transfiguration, he didn't take all 12 of the disciples with him. He only took three of them. And there were numerous times when Jesus spoke to crowds, he would speak in parables. But then when he met with his 12, he would break it down and he would explain to them. So a lot of times we think, I'm going to be best friends with everyone. Well, I think you can, you can be friendly with everyone. But people who are truly, what I want to use the word would be covenantal friends. People who are there through thick and thin, through highs and lows and all that stuff, you know what, you're probably not going to be able to have a huge group of those kinds of people who are, you're going to really invite on the inner, inner, inner workings of your life, and it would be exhausting to try and fill in everyone in your life on everything that goes on in your life. So we can have those who we are friendly to, 
And so I want to encourage as we look into a new year, and as you maybe have done some planning, or I want you, to, as you're planning your year, who are you choosing to speak into your life? Now, you can go for coffee and you can talk about the weather and the oilers, and wasn't that disappointing? Wasn't that? Like it was. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about it. Um, you can go for to- coffee, toffee or coffee, and you can, you can talk about whatever, the Eskimos or the price of oil or the price of tea in China. Um, and that's awesome, but you know, I want to encourage you, have people in your life who are going to be honest with you. And, and if you just allow everyone to be speaking in all the time, you're just going to get confused. So look at me with this scripture then in Proverbs 27 and verse 17. It says, no, I skipped one, 27, 5 and 6, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now, what is the writer trying to get at? He's saying that you should have people in your life who love you enough, who care about you enough, enough to speak truth to you. And you know what? Sometimes truth stings. Sometimes it hurts because sometimes just like a chiropractor can come and just crunch into an alignment, your spine, um, sometimes you need a friend to come and give you a little bit of an alignment and say, hey, you know what? And, and, and that's the thing. When you get into talking about these, this kind of thing about friendship, you have to understand real friendship is not manipulative. Real friendship is not with hooks. It's not somebody who is trying to force you to do something against your will for their own betterment. It's not someone who is using you for money or for, you know, just, but real friendship is that someone who genuinely cares about your best interests in heart. And if you are blessed to have friends like that, they will sit you down and, and from time to time and say, hey, you know what? I've been noticing this in your life and, and I'm concerned, you know? And likewise, um, you need to be able, to, if you can't do that with a friend, then maybe they're not in that category yet where you can speak into their life. I remember when I was really young and I read passages in the Bible about how you should rebuke your brother. Yeah, I was about 12 or 13 and I had an older brother. Guess what I got really good at? I rebuked the devil out of him like at least a couple times a week. Like I remember one time yelling at him and telling him to get out of the house and he's like, why you can't tell me to leave? I'm like, I'm talking to Satan who's clearly influencing you right now. (laughs) Oh, it's a wonder he turned out the way he did. Anyway, um, (laughs) so an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Um, Faithful are... Uh, Sorry, better are um, wounds from a sincere friend. So it's better to have a real friend who's real at you, wound you, not in the sense of hurting you just to hurt you, but in the sense of like, okay, this is so we can both be healthier together. But then he says this, that they're better than the kisses of an enemy. An enemy might be one who, to your face, is super kind and encouraging, but behind their back, behind your back, they're like, well, let me tell you about them. You know, that is not a true friend. And I want to encourage you, as I was praying for this message and asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to share? You know what? If you have toxic relationships, 
of people who are constantly trying to manipulate you, pull you down, make you fit into their box, or, 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 or in an unhealthy way, trying to push you around, or they're gaslighting and being like, you know, they, oh, you didn't do this and you didn't do this. Like, if you have people like that in your life, then I want to encourage you, and I felt it as a word from the Lord to put some healthy boundaries on them. I'm not going to say, don't ever talk to them again, shut them off, block them on the internet. and No, put some boundaries in place. Say, I will not let you talk to me like that. I will not let you treat me like that because I am better than that and I deserve to be treated with respect. Amen? Amen. So, next scripture. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Someone who puts you down, manipulates you, or intimidates you is not your friend. A true friend has your best interests at heart, and they, can, uh, they <clears throat> encourage you to be your true self. Proverbs 13 and verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and be in trouble. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and be in trouble. Show me the people that you associate with and the books that you read and I will tell you who you will be a year from now. Show me your friends. Show me, now I'm not saying, you know, because there's, there's popular in the Christian church, so don't, don't spend any time with unbelievers because they'll corrupt you. Well, you just got to know who's leading the charge. Who's, right? When you walk into a room, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? In your relationships, do you just fall into the culture of what it is if it's nagging and backbiting and gossiping and you just are pulled into that culture? Or do you set the culture and say, no, we don't gossip, we don't backbite, we don't do that, we don't focus on the wrongs of other people, we focus on being a blessing. And that's a choice, being a thermometer or a thermostat. You can read the room or you can change the temperature in the room. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I remember at one point in my life I was working a construction job and this guy who was a taper, he, uh, he made a joke about, well, it wasn't a joke. He's like, do you want to come and try a line? <laughs> and I was like, a line? What is a line? And then I started to think about what a line was. And then <laughs> it was a way of talking about doing a certain drug. And I remember something in my spirit just jumping and saying, don't. Like, obviously, don't do the drugs. But don't get into relationship with this guy. You can be friendly to him. You can even share Christ with him. But don't allow your life to get wrapped up into his life. Because it's not going to be wise. Um, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. This is an unknown saying that friends from this church said to me years ago because at one point I said, I have no friends. I'm busy in school. I'm busy with ministry. I have no friends. Now I have lots of friends. Thank you very much. But they looked at me and they said this, and it's from an unknown. I went out looking for a friend and I found none. I went out seeking to be a friend and I found many. I wrote down three easy steps for making friends. These are deep, okay, are you ready? Number one, smile. It will not crack your face, I promise. Number two, 
Say hi, it won't kill you. Three, similarity. Find something that you're both interested in. And I was thinking about how true this is when I, before I shaved my beard, which I had to take it back because it was just making me look like I was an old, old person. Anyway, I used to just walk up to people and be like, so what do you do to grow that out? And if they had a beard, they'd be like, well, there is nev- there's never, I've done it to dozens of people. Older, younger, like, I'm like, so how long did it take you to grow that beard? And they're like, it did, I've stopped people in Walmart, I've stopped people in the mall, and every, I'm not even joking, every single time, they will think about it and give me their most honest answer. They're bearded brothers from other mothers, you know what I mean? <laughs> we, have, we have a connection. <laughs> and then one time I realized that I was being like my mother, who just starts conversations, you know, in no frills with complete strangers. And I realized, well, if that's the brand of crazy that I'm going down, there could be worse things, so, oh well. Thomas Aquinas said this, he said, there's nothing, there's nothing on earth more to be prized than true friendship. Now, as, as, we, as you look through scripture and as you read through scripture, there is this mentoring and mentoree relationship that shows up. And I remember in college, people would go into mentoring groups, and so you were put in a group against your will with a professor or a teacher who you might have got along with or you might not have, <laughs> and, and those were your mentoring groups. And this person was going to mentor you now for two hours every Thursday. Like it was the most plastic, fake thing ever, right? And, um, but there is genuinely throughout Scripture that mentoring relationship. You think about Moses and Joshua, that Moses took him under his wing, and, and, and then after the passing of Moses, Joshua took the people into the promised land. You think of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets in the Old Testament. You think of Jesus and Peter, right? There's this relationship, this mentoring relationship. Later on, the Apostle Paul had a man named Timothy who he mentored and poured into, and, and Titus. And so throughout Scripture, we see this woven through in and out this relationship. And, and I, I really believe it's important to have people who are a little further down the road than you to speak into your life. To say like, just to learn from them. just Because somebody who's been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, you're gonna be surprised at, at, at like, oh, so you, you went through something similar and God helped you and, and that is so important. I would say this, so Paul and Timothy, it's important, find a Paul or a Pauline if you're a woman <laughs> and, and get somebody that is older that can speak to you but then it's equally important if you are a Paul or a Pauline that you find a Timothy or a Tatiana, you know? <laughs> You don't understand why I'm saying that, because it's important, right? It's like mentoring. I remember this lady one time who wanted to mentor this young man, and I was like, no, you're in love with him. You don't want to mentor him. You want to marry him. And that is not a good way to start a discipleship. Anyway, that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, so, um, so find someone in 2019, decide. You say, I'm a Paul. I've been serving God for so many years. And you're like, you have something to share with someone else. Maybe you're like, I don't really know if I have anything to give. Well, maybe you need a younger person to at least show you how to turn on your computer. You know what I mean? Like, it would be helpful. Okay. Last verse I want to focus on before I close. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of, place of honor beside God's throne. Think of the hostility he endured from sinful people. And then you won't become weary and give up. Now he says we're surrounded by this huge cloud of witnesses and some theologians think that that means the people who are in heaven that are now watching us over, that could be. But it could also just be that we read scripture and we see and later on in that text and around there he goes on about look at the people who were faithful to God through the, 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 in the Old Testament and, and don't you think God is gonna help you to be faithful and be faithful to you? And he says, listen, um, especially he says then strip off the sin that ties us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before this. How do we do this? How do we run with endurance the race that has been set before us? The only answer is the best Sunday school answer. The answer is Jesus. I like the New American Standard Bible because it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, have you ever caught that as you read that passage of scripture, that he's not only the initiator of our faith, like God didn't just initiate, maybe you're a new Christian, he didn't, okay, he's like, okay, come to me, serve me, ha ha, you're on your own. That's not how it works. You have a family, you have people around you who love you and care about your spiritual growth. He's not only the author, or sorry, he's not only the author or the initiator of our faith, he is the finisher of our faith. When God started writing your story, he didn't put the pen down the moment you said, Jesus, come into my heart. In fact, he began to scribble that much more furiously his love letter and his design for your life. He is not only the author, but he is the finisher of our faith. The joy set before him, and this text goes on and says, Jesus went through struggling with the cross, and he knew it was going to be painful, but he re realized something. He realized that it wasn't the death on the cross that was the important thing in the sense. He realized what was important was resurrection. And I don't know what you're going through this year, but I want to say to you this, if you're going through a cross experience and you're like, it's going to hurt, it's going to be painful, I want you to focus on that resurrection. I want you to focus on what God is going to do in the next season in your life. You can go through and get through so that you become the person that he wants you to be. I want to encourage you to run into the, the, the new year Letting aside the stuff that drug you down last year. I want to say again, maybe you need to put some boundaries on, some toxic I'm saying this again because I felt so strongly impressed by the Spirit. Put boundaries on toxic relationships. Put boundaries. Um, move forward in faith. And remember this, you're not defined by your past. Can I have the, music, the band come up? Listen to me. Maybe you made some doozy mistakes in 2018. You know what the best thing is about a new year? Is you get a fresh start. 
I know that, I know that sometimes people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's just fairy tale Disneyland stuff. Well, okay, if, if, if it is to you, then that's fine. Choose to live that way. But if maybe you've made some bad turns and some bad decisions in 2018, the last Sunday of 2018, <laughs> I want to invite you to just say, as we close this morning, say, yeah, Lord, your promises for me are yes and amen. You've got a plan. And I want to encourage you that you can lay aside that sin that does so easily entangle. And you can fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. He is the writer. He is the great, he is the great choir master. He is the symphony director. He is the, he is the master builder in your life. And you can fix your eyes, not on your problems, not on the smallness, not on the struggles, but on Jesus. Will you stand with me today? I want to pray for you. If you're comfortable raising your hands, I want you to raise your hands. And I want you to see in those hands all of the heartache from 2018 and all of the dysfunction and all of the pain and all of the anxiety of the year and all of the stuff that you think is holding you back. And I want you to see the Spirit of God coming and just blowing it away and lifting it off of your heart and lifting it off of your life and let His Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, Lord, like a mighty rushing flood upon every person in this room today, Lord. I pray, oh Lord, that we would look to you not only as the author, but as the finisher of our faith. God, I thank you that you've got a plan. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you call us out of sin that so easily entangles. But God, as we begin to run, that sin falls like shackles to the ground. Lord, I pray for the power and the fire of the Spirit to burn in our hearts and minds in 2019. In the mighty name of Jesus, can somebody shout amen today? Let's sing out faithful.